It was an off-season that we will all remember. And in the final season of the Pac-12 as we know it, comes season three of the It Factory. It will be full of players that are on preseason watch lists, will be on future NFL draft lists. As always, we will take the helmet off of the top players on the West Coast and tap into who they are and why they stand out. I'm Yogi Roth, and welcome back to the It Factory. Welcome back or welcome to the It Factory. I am your host, Yogi Roth, and happy holidays. Hope you had an incredible Christmas, some time with the family, Hanukkah, whatever it is that you may celebrate with your loved ones. Hope you spent time with one another. Because today I'm so excited and honored to spend time with somebody that I consider family. And I, I would love to spend Christmas morning with him because he makes every environment he enters a lot better. Yes, that is our coach, Nick Aliotti. Coach, you are a legend in the coaching profession. Your resume precedes itself, but you as a human is what I love most. Thank you for some time today. Thank you, Yogi, especially for all those kind words. I don't know if I'm worthy, but uh, I'll take them. And thank you very much for the intro. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I've wanted to have this conversation with you for a long time. Uh, we've been busy all season long. You've been on the road doing a bunch. I've been calling games. And here we are uh, kind of smack dab in a bowl season. So to set the framework for the listener and the viewer, we will get to a little bowl preview of the games that are coming up. But I wanted to talk to you about college football coach um you, you've been a mainstay in this profession you've coached college football for almost 40 years uh you are an icon around the oregon duck program and anywhere you walk you get the golden ticket i've seen you at uh oregon state practices i've seen you at usc practices you roll right in so, so i'm curious for your take right now like with all the changes in the game how would you answer the question around like the state of college football today and what is the lens in which you view it well college football is as big as it's ever been so the state of college football is just going bonkers. I, I think it's the state of college football overall is probably the most popular sport uh, and watch sport in the United States. I think everybody's into college football. But as far as the actual state of college football, I am concerned about transfer portal and NIL and where we go with all that, because at some point, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. If, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what needs to be changed. But at some point, something needs to be changed because the transfer portal, uh, it's hard for me as an old coach to see a guy spend three or four years at one place and then leave his senior year or his fifth year. That's just hard for me, an old coach. And then the NIL, I think, they let Pandora's box out too early before they they uh, really thought about it. I don't mind the players getting paid. I understand all that. I think they should be getting something. But to me, it's way out of control. So those two things concern me moving forward. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but the season, this past season we had, right, the final one in the Pac-12 as we know it, uh, it was beautiful. Like, it was so fun to go to these campuses, see you, Ashley Adamson, Nigel Burton, our colleagues. It felt as though the things you just referenced weren't really an issue. And then the minute the season ended, it felt as though the sport that was so beautiful in between those white lines that we, we've grown to love and the ones you, you walked on so often as a coach, it seemed like the sport became muddied again, if you want to use a positive word for that. But it just, it was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like, it's convoluted. There's tampering. There's money. There's this portal. 
Would you agree with that? Or was the season for you uh, inclusive of those two things you just described? I think you hit it right on the head, Yogi. I I really enjoyed this Pac-12 season. was very special. This uh, college football season, which we still have, you know, the college football playoff coming and the bowl games, which, you know, I love football. I'm a junkie. I'll be watching them all. But the football part of it has been incredible. That's why I said the state of college football in that sense, it, it was fantastic. Didn't even think about that stuff. And as soon as it ended, you got coaches leaving, you got players leaving, you guys, people opting out of bowl games, you got NIL, you know, people, you know, all these quarterbacks that are leaving is because they get a better deal. They may not necessarily not like where they are, but they're going to get an upgrade in pay. So that stuff, when I look at that stuff, that's to me is not what college football is all about. We already mentioned, the, you know, players should get paid. And, and I, again, I'm all for it. But I'm not totally all into the amount of money that a college football player is being paid now. And I know there's going to be some critics out there that watch this and see that and say, oh, he's wrong. That's their opinion. My opinion is it has tainted the game a little bit because of the transfer portal and NIL. It is the wild, wild west, and there's got to be some control. I'm not saying don't have this stuff. There's just got to be some control, whether less times to transfer, whether one time to transfer, and then getting the NIL with some kind of uh, jurisdiction uh, and control. Mac Brown told me this years ago, and I know you'll agree. He said, Yogi, college football is about two things, the fans and the players. And now, in our interpretation, I think it's about the media and the money. But with that said, what surprised me a little bit this season, Ted Robinson and I would talk about on the road, is that like viewership only went up, right? To your first answer on the state of college football. Like I, I think in the off season, certain fan bases love it because they've got the resources to play in the current state. Certain fan bases hate it. But once we get to the games, it felt like everybody loved football even more. And, and I, I was kind of caught off guard by that a little bit. I thought some fan bases might be frustrated with the realignment, the state of the game, but it was like, nah, man, it was as hot as ever before. And, and I, I'm so curious to see if that is the lens in which fans see the game moving forward once the Pac-12 becomes, to your point, the Pac-2. I think that this season has been incredible. Uh, and again, I go back to our particular league, the Pac-12. What what a unbelievable. At one time, we had eight teams ranked in the top 25, I believe. But for sure, there were seven to six most of the year and then it ended up with the, the four or whatever it is but but i think football while it was on i think everybody was way into it and this might have been one of the better seasons that we've had in a long long time so it's sad to see this thing in and also i think this year's uh heisman trophy uh, you know just to take you a little bit further i think really there was no clear-cut winner this year it wasn't like other years where you kind of knew even though they had three or four guys show up you kind of knew who was going to win it I think everybody at the end was leaning towards Jalen Daniels I'm not saying I was but I think people were but really to the bitter end that last weekend with Washington playing Oregon you really didn't know so uh, I think football's is alive and is under control as it's ever been but it's gone way too much. 
And again, it just bothers me to money and media and TV. Uh, that just bothers me on a lot of levels. Yeah. And it, it was so great to see you at the Heisman. All of a sudden we're in the media workroom and here comes Coach Aliotti. And that was awesome. You and your incredible wife uh, in your annual Broadway trip out to the East Coast. Uh, you, you said something that's, that, that, that landed on me. You said it was just, you know, one of the more enjoyable years you've had. What did you enjoy the most when you think about your time on the road this past season? You know what I enjoy the most is being around you, Ashley, all those young people, Nigel, all the people we work with. I'm not going to go through all the names, Nigel, Shane, Bump. What I enjoy the most is being in the stadium, number one, on game day, and the energy and the enthusiasm and the youth and all that rolled into one. How exciting that is, a big college football game on a college campus. But even taking that a little bit further is being around all you young people on Friday night when we have a couple beers, we have a little dinner, we talk about what we're doing, we talk about the state of college football, we talk about the games, all the things we talk about, and then afterwards getting together again on Saturday after the game. Just being around all of you wonderful, wonderful, wonderful young people has kept me young and makes it really exciting for a guy that's close to 70. So that's what I've enjoyed the most is this being in the stadium on game day and being around all of you young, great people who I look forward to watching grow in this profession as you move forward. I appreciate you saying that. And on behalf of all of those young people, uh, we feel the same way about you. You know, you've been such a beautiful addition to the Pac-12 networks. You've always been a part of the Pac. That's just who you are, Coach. And you, you've really influenced a lot of people, me, me specifically, in terms of just your approach to the craft, to the game, uh, how kind you are to everybody. Like those things never go unnoticed. Uh, I've told you this before, but I've never shared this story on air. Is my first year of broadcasting, you were still coaching at the Pac-12. And uh, I showed up there and I was doing the sideline and you guys were rolling. Chip Kelly was the coach. Uh, you had it going. And we walked into this production meeting on a Friday and I don't know how, how much you remember of it, but we met for the first time and you remembered everybody's name in the room. You addressed every single person by their name in the room. You shook everybody's hand in the room. And, and that, that never left me. And when I think back to even years earlier when I was coaching, you know, you grew up in the era, at least I did as a young coach of, you didn't talk to the other staff. I don't know why that was just kind of like the thing that I thought you had to do as a coach. And I can remember being at Autzen when Mark Sanchez was a starting quarterback because John David Booty hurt his, hurt his finger. And we were playing you guys. Oregon ended up winning the game. And we're in the elevator and you just start talking to me on the way up before the game and at halftime and on the way down. Hey, what's your name? Hey, good luck. Hey, if I could ever do anything. And I was like, holy, this is the legend. Nick Aliotti's talking to me? And, and like that to me are like two instances of exactly who you are, Coach. Well, I had great parents. And so I attribute that to Joe and Jen Aliotti, who brought us all up right. And uh, I think I really believe, you know, in, in, in the three things of do your best, do what's right, and treat others like you want to be treated. If you live by those three simple things, I think life is easy. I love life. I enjoy life. But thank you for the kind words. But I must say this. 
of all the human beings I have come across in my 70 years, there is nobody more positive and a better person than Yogi Roth. And I'm not saying that because I'm on this podcast, telecast, the it factor, any of that stuff. It's true. Yogi Roth is a an all-star. He's an all-star, not only in the media, football analysts, TV broadcast world. He's all that. And anybody out there that, that has a chance should hire this guy. Anybody. NFL, college, should hire Yogi Roth. Do it. You'll be glad you did. But on top of that, as good as you are in all that stuff, you are what I would call, if they looked in the dictionary under how to be a great human being, they should have your picture. I appreciate that. You don't have to say all that, Coach. I said it because it's true. You know me, Yogi. I want to get your your, your take on a couple of games we have coming okay. up. Uh, there's been changes to some staffs, to your early point around this great game and within this league. So in their final Pac-12 game, the Trojan horse, as you often say, USC is going to go up against number 15, Louisville. USC's made a lot of changes. Caleb Williams is not going to play. Uh, they've added some staff members that we'll see what they end up doing and their impact they have on this game. But if there's one thing you're looking forward to in this game, what would it be? Who's the quarterback and how does he play? And basically, this would probably be the next guy that takes Caleb Williams' spot. And uh, they've been so good with Caleb Williams. So quarterback play is one thing that I'm looking forward to. I guess the other thing I would look at, and I'll, all encompassing, is this. Will SC show up? Do they have enough motivation to go and play in this bowl game against Louisville? I don't know where their head is with all the things that have gone on there. Uh, I don't know the new young couple guys that they've hired. Uh, I saw they hired they hired a defensive coordinator, correct? Yeah, D Danton Lynn, former UCLA defensive coordinator. Yeah, and he did an outstanding job. And I don't know why that eluded me. When you get older, you forget stuff. But I should have known that because I did read and see that. Um, how they show up and who's the quarterback, how they look on offense without Caleb. I think those are two uh, big issues for them as I watch that game. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that one too. Uh, is Miller Moss the guy moving forward? Right, We've seen this world where I'm going to hit you on this question afterwards, so think about it. But quarterbacks and recruiting and developing versus taking experienced players, what does SC decide to do? I don't know. How about the next game, the Sun Bowl, unique Sun Bowl? Notre Dame, uh, we called their last game. Uh, a bunch of players who played in that last game are not going to play in this game, including Sam Hartman, their starting quarterbacks. They go with their backup. And Oregon State doesn't have their head coach, uh, doesn't have their new head coach. Trent Bray's not going to coach in the game as he's developing the team and putting the, the pieces together. Uh, and both of their quarterbacks who played in games, in DJ Uyunglele and Aiden Childs, will not go. So Ben Branson, who led them to uh, upset over the Ducks, led them to a win last year, a beatdown over the Florida Gators, in the Las Vegas Bowl. He's the starter again in this game. What do you think about this one on the 29th of December? Well, it is an interesting matchup for the Sun Bowl. They, they got two teams that, that particularly if they had all their weapons, both teams on both sides of their coaches, uh, 
would probably be one of those, wow, this is going to be a great one. What do I think? I think that, first of all, I think, Trent Bray, you're making a mistake by not coaching in this game. That's your team. You're the new head coach. That's a huge mistake. I know you might think that you got other stuff to do, but my message to you is you should be with this team. You should be coaching this team and then worry about the other stuff later. Uh, and I can go on and on about that, particularly with the transfer portal, losing those guys, blah, blah, blah. I don't know who's going to play anymore in bowl games, so it makes it really tough. But I will say this. I think without Jonathan Smith, without Trent Bray, uh, I think Notre Dame has enough more than Oregon State, uh, as I see it, to win this football game. So in the state of where it is right now, uh, I think Oregon State's going in playing uh, with not all their weapons and not even close. So I think Notre Dame will have enough to to uh, probably win that football game. Yeah, I think there's a world where two-thirds of these bowl games, you might as well call them spring games because there's so many new players that are playing and so many opt-outs. One team where only one player is opting out is Arizona. Outside of the CFP, I'd say they're the hottest team in America. Jordan Morgan won't go at left tackle, but everybody else will. We know what this second-year class has done to this team with Jed Fish. They they play in the Alamo Bowl. Like, this is a step up. Like They haven't been in a bowl game in a long time. But this is also, to me, outside of the New Year's Six Bowls, easily the best bowl. It's always a showcase, usually offensive firepower. Against Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel now at Oregon. They go with Jackson Arnold, the, the five-star recruited quarterback. I'd imagine in this ball game. What, what do you think about Jed Fish, the job he's done, and the stage that they have? Jed Fish has done an outstanding job. Uh, I've been very impressed with what he did this year. Uh, they have some dynamic playmakers. I like their running game. I like Coleman a lot. Uh, Colleen McMillan. I, I really and, and then Fafita. What I think, I think we have a family bowl. Which you kill, by the way. Well, I don't know. But we pick all these bowl games. And I made my picks yesterday. And I actually picked Arizona to beat Oklahoma. And and there'd be a time we say, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? And, and I would have picked Arizona if Dylan Gabriel played. So uh, that's how much I like this Arizona team right now. I think they're, uh, they're for whatever it's worth, my favorite. For, to win the Big 12 next year and find their way to the playoff. I think they have all the tools to do that in that league that is full of such a variance of, of teams. All right, let's talk about a variance in the bowl game. New Year's Six game, Oregon against undefeated Liberty. Not the sexiest of matchups for, for obvious reasons. Uh, it looks like Bo Nix is going to go with everything that we know as of now. Uh, finished third in the Heisman Trophy ballot. Where's your head go with this if you were a coach and you had a chance to go to the playoff. You lost in dramatic fashion. Now you got to play a team that doesn't have the Oklahoma logo, doesn't have the Georgia logo, has, has the Liberty logo. Yeah, I think in that regard, Oregon got the, the short end of the, of the straw uh, because there's not the cachet with Liberty, let's face it. But I will say this, if Bo Nix goes, what I know about Dan Lanning, and the culture he's built there, they'll be ready to play. Now, without Bo Nix, that's hard to predict because of what he means to that offense 
and the way that team plays behind his leadership. But I, I, I truly believe that Oregon will be ready to play because of the culture. And a lot of people use that word, but I've seen it firsthand a bunch. I watch coaches coach. I think Lanning has the right makeup that this team will be ready to play. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that I think they'll roll in this game. And then finally, drum roll. Here we go. CFP, Washington. Welcome on back to this college football playoff against Sark and Pete Kwiatkowski and Quinn Ewers and the drama. We saw it last year in the Alamo Bowl. We get to see it again. If you're coaching in this game as a defensive coordinator, what are you trying to do schematically against Sark's offense? What are you trying to do against Kalen DeBoer to just give yourself a chance? to take a couple possessions away from these high-powered offenses? Wow, that's a loaded question without studying film. But I will say this. Sark is one of the best offensive minds in college football. He's always going to have stuff. Sark loves a few, I won't call them trick plays, but enough wrinkles that he really keeps you on your toes. He does a great job. They'll be a good football team. And I know Pete Krakowski is an excellent D coordinator, so that's a tough team. That being said, Washington finds a way to win. And since they've given the ball and added a true run game to this offense with Dylan Johnson, they have become better and better on offense. And I was very impressed with Washington's defense against Oregon in that championship game. So I think Washington's a really complete team. I believe in DeBoer. I believe in Penix, but I know it's not going to be easy with Sark and what they do at Texas. But I'm going to pick Washington to win this football game. All right, final five. Okay, you basically get one sentence to answer the following five questions. Rapid fire. We'll get you out of here on this. Okay. Number one, what advice would you give a current recruit around their future in college football as they evaluate opportunities? Go to the school because you feel it's the best fit. What would you tell a quarterback on a roster who'd been there three years, but is yet to play? With the transfer portal the way it is, I can't see me telling this, but I'd say it's time to move on. Try another place. You need to start somewhere. You need to show what you can do, and it's not working here. How would you describe your love with the game of football? can't get enough. How would you describe your impact on the game of football? I'd say I did what I could do to the best of my ability day in and day out. And then finally, Coach, uh, you've got such a beautiful array of experiences from that hair flowing at UC Davis to coaching <laughs> in big BCS games, national championships, the NFL, to thankfully gracing the living rooms of so many people on the West Coast as a college football analyst, one of, I believe, the best in the country at that craft. How would you finish the following sentence? It all comes down to what? I always believed in the way I did it, hard work, outwork everybody, be fair, be firm, be fun. I used to tell my players, and I'm getting a little long-winded, but to answer your question, when you come to universe, come to my campus and be a part of my team, you need to bring three bones with you. One, bring a funny bone so that 
you have a sense of humor. Two, bring a backbone so that you have some toughness, some stick to itiveness, and are willing to, to put in the fight. And three, bring a wishbone. Wish and dream for the stars, but wishing and dreaming, you must put in the work and all those kinds of things. But bring those three bones with you when you come to campus and play for Coach Al. Funny bone, a backbone, and a wishbone. Coach, I got to tell you, I've never heard that story, but you have always brought those over the course of all of our time together in spades, man. I mean, you just made everything, including the show, so much better with just your presence. And I'm so grateful to have known you. And I know we're not done. I know we're not done. I'm going to find you on a sideline, on a pregame show, somewhere in the future. And our calls will, will continue as you break down the game we love. Thank you for your time, Coach Aliotti. Thank you, Yogi. I can't wait till we meet again. I will be following you and wishing you nothing but greatness, health, and happiness. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. You got it. All right, Coach Aliotti, enjoy those bowl games. I hope you all have enjoyed a holiday season. Enjoy the New Year's. Enjoy the CFP. I hope you enjoyed stories from Coach as well as some bowl previews as we dive into these games that are currently all over your television screen. Thank you for the support. It's been a blast doing this series and this show. And if you love Coach Aliotti like I do, share it with a friend. Give them a little bit of Coach Aliotti's holiday cheer. Stay safe, everybody. Peace. Happy New Year. It's the afterglow, and I know you loved your fellow Oregon Duck. How about that funny bone, backbone, wishbone? I am stealing. I got like, he didn't mean to do this, but this was like a, uh, a TED talk on parenting, as well as like the Nick Aliotti experience. What'd you think? A thousand percent the Nick Aliotti experience. Um, no, I love that at the end. I, I love those. those. I've never heard him say that. That was so fun. And yes, because of Oregon, but obviously working with coach for the last few years at Pac-12. And then I've, I've actually known his family for a really long time. So just kind of hearing him chat about all that was really fun. And also like, we can't just pass up the like, yogi roth all-star shout out that he was giving you i was like like i know that you don't really like like stuff like that but i was loving it back here that was absolutely fantastic and for the record well deserved absolutely well, well deserved thank you i'll tell you what as the interview was going i was like god i had so many other questions <laughs> that i want like i wanted to talk about like beppe and gianni's yeah right i wanted to talk about the you know, times on the road with our colleagues. I wanted him to wax upon like, you know, his thoughts on the quarterback situation at so many of these schools. Uh, mm -hmm. He is, he is a rock star. I do hope that, uh, and I'm confident that somebody's going to pick him up mm -hmm. for next season. He's just, he's just a savant. Yeah. I mean, the way he sees the game, the way he articulates it, he's got such a fun, loving personality to him that uh, I, I mean it, man. He just makes everything better. I no, I absolutely agree. He's he really does. He's he's a joy to be around, to work with, to talk with. Um, it also made me laugh when there's a couple different times he was like, I'm going on a tangent here. I'm like, I've never met a coach that doesn't just end up going on a tangent <laughs> at some point. I was like, that's just that's just super on brand. So that's perfectly fine. Um, I didn't really have any questions for him per se. Like you guys covered a lot of stuff. I think the question, just because you were you were talking to him about bowl games, I think the question I have for you is. What's the matchup that you're looking forward to the most? 
Okay, I'm going to give you that. I think what I would have loved to ask him, and I think let's have him on maybe before the end. Maybe we just bring on like him, Ashley, and Nigel, and we do kind of <laughs> like a little round table with mm -hmm. uh, our colleagues at the Pac-12 on the studio side. Uh, I wanted to ask him about like, if you were a coach now, like how, what would you be evaluating when you look at taking jobs, right? Jonathan Smith, of course, mm -hmm. evaluated the fall of the Pac-12 mm -hmm. into the Pac-2 and yeah. that instability led to him exploring another job and then yeah, taking fair point. one of them that was offered, offered to him, which was Michigan State. I think we saw Danton Lynn leave a UCLA defense that he completely flipped for what Chip Kelly said, like, I think his quote was, we, we tried, but we weren't in the ballpark financially. So like you're seeing coordinators make reportedly not a million, like 2 million now yeah. in major college football. Like I, I wonder how he, cause he was the hottest guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a world, like we could have got into the whole Oregon thing. Like, you know, he was there for Rich Brooks, Mike Bellotti, mm -hmm. Chip Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, he interviews for the head job. And Mark Helfrich ends up getting it. He sticks around for a little bit and then eventually retires. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole conversation with him on coaching. Oh, absolutely. That would have been fascinating if he weren't in bowl season. So mm -hmm. producer TJ, let's let's make that happen. Okay. Yeah. No, there, there's a there's a lot left. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, his his knowledge is ridiculous. And like his the accolades and stuff he's done is 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 impressive in its own right. And hearing that whole side of it, like you said, not in bowl season, but hearing that side and Kind of, I was I was thinking the same thing before the interview actually of just like did it ever like irk him that he never really I don't know what kind of shot he got to be the head coach and he always just stayed the DC or was he happy with being the DC or or what so hearing all that would be super interesting for sure yeah I think it, I'd imagine it did irk him it would irk me mm -hmm. um, but the thing with Coach Al is like he he really like his parents as he referenced did such a great job with him like he's mm -hmm always about like being his best doing his best and treating people like he wanted to be wanted to be treated even mm -hmm. if it was in an environment that maybe he didn't feel great about right like yeah. he wasn't the head coach and I, he, he's really just a brilliant example of of someone living with integrity mm -hmm. when it comes to answering your question on the matchup it, it's a hard question um i'm I, i'm intrigued with sc i'll watch every snap you know I, it was fun going to the Gronk Bowl. The LA Bowl, watching <laughs> UCLA a couple of days ago or a week mm -hmm. ago or so. Uh, and I can't wait to, of course, get to New Orleans. I mean, yeah. let's be yeah. honest. I'm going to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. I'll be there for New Year's Eve with Ashley Adamson and Jim Thornby and company. I mean, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Sark is there. Uh, so many people we have crossed paths with when we were together at SC or he was at Washington. Like, It's going to be like a hug fest all pregame. And I think the game is awesome. And I truly believe yeah. UW has all the consistent tools mm -hmm. to win the national title. Mm -hmm. Like the peak of Bama, you could argue like was the best peak of anybody. Mm -hmm. You could argue the peak of Texas on the road at Bama was the best peak of anybody. You could argue Michigan hasn't played anybody, but they've rolled everybody. Mm -hmm. But the, the only team that's been tested consistently and has met the moment is UW. And yeah. I don't know if any of these teams can cover these guys for a whole game. Fair. So I, I'll go with that uh, mm -hmm. because, of course, why wouldn't the team win the Natty in the final year as we know it? We've been saying and it all it, year. <laughs> you know, and it'd be one of the teams that was kind of holding the Pac-10 together uh, until until it didn't. Yeah. Uh, so 
And, and, I, and I'm a huge fan of what Kalen DeBoer stands for. So I'll probably go there. But there's honestly intrigue in all of them, mm -hmm. which is hard to say uh, when you look at the past years and with all the opt-outs and the coaching changes. But like mm -hmm. I, Oregon State, Notre Dame, like, I'm kind of pumped. You called mm -hmm. Notre Dame's last game. Didn't call one Oregon State game all season. I mean, I've called like every Oregon State game for 12 years until the year they're <laughs> finally really, really, really good. We don't get one. So, I, yeah, I'll be watching them all. Uh, I know you will be yeah. as well. Uh, I guess before before I let you go, man, uh, you're 29, right? Or did you turn 30? Tw 29 still. Okay. I'll be 30 coming up here in a couple weeks. Okay, 29, New Year's Eve, Hollywood, <laughs> California. <laughs> and my best impersonation of our main man on Fox, uh, Gus Johnson. <laughs> What what's on what's on tap, my man? You're, see, yo, I you know I appreciate the confidence of you thinking that I know what I'm doing for New Year's Eve before like a day before New Year's Eve, but I have no. There's here's 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 the, the blessing and the curse of of being down here is that there's an unlimited amount of stuff to do, so you kind of like can sit back a little bit and and wait to figure it out. Still figuring out, but New Year's Eve is one of my favorite holidays for a lot of different reasons. I love the the wrapping up of the year, starting fresh, you know, being with people who are just kind of like celebrating the year, and also just having a good time. So you know, I'll be I'll be getting into You're something. So fun. PC, oh my, it's <laughs> gross. You're so PC. I was 29 once too. I remember where I was for my 29th New Year's Eve. Uh, I I dude. hope I hope my my 29th New Year's Eve is just as memorable as that one. That's what every year I look forward to it. And every year, you know, sometimes they let me down, sometimes they don't. I've had I've had some good stories I can tell you offline, but okay. um, there it is. Oh no, we'll yeah. we'll see we'll see where we'll see where we go this year. Okay, well, if you're out in Hollywood and you see TJ, send a screen grab. <laughs> let us know. Give him some props on his organization because he does have to plan this show much more diligently than he plans his New Year's <laughs> Eve plan. But that's okay, TJ. That's why you are the man that you are. We'll be back in 2024. Oh my gosh, we'll be talking about our words of the year. We are gonna go uh, to some really fun places in the new year with our guests. We're gonna be talking to people all across the landscape of major college football, sport, inspiration. We're gonna pour into you in the final 15 or 20 episodes or whatever it is we have in season three. TJ, hope you had a great Christmas. I know you're going to have a great New Year's, and I look forward to talking to you when, when I talk to you and hear all about <laughs> your time. We'll leave it at that, folks. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive, and love on the people who love on you, and share some love to those that maybe need it. All right, peace.